course, I would, it didn't matter who they were. They had, anybody in the world had free range to beat us as kids. Right. So, uh, yeah. You have free range to throw this up if, you, if nobody's man, responding. I got you. I have threatened to go pastor uh-huh. a black independent Baptist church uh-huh. yeah, because yeah. just they know, I need help once in a while, you know? Amen. I do. So, anyway, you can, Break it out if I need it. you can use that. You can whip them if they need it. Amen. So. <laughs> Looking Amen. forward. Thank, thank you, sir. Much. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you for letting me and my wife be with you today. And, uh, okay, clean water. Thank you. And uh, my name is Noel Swinner. It's weird. It is C-W-E-N-A-R. So, most people say Quinar. We're like, sure, whatever you want. One time, there was a C and a dot and W-E-N-A-R. So, we were C Wiener one time. We answered to that. And, uh, and so either way, we'll handle it. And so we're glad. And, and my wife, Lucinda, is with me. And she doesn't always get to travel with me much. So I'm glad when um, she does. And we, we, have, we have laughed a lot in the last uh, 24, 48 hours. And uh, she throws my routines off. And so um, I'll be doing something and she'll start talking. And she's oh, I'm sorry, you're studying. Oh, I'm sorry, you're praying. Anyways, we have a great time. We were laughing yesterday, though. Uh, one time she went with me, and I was getting ready to speak somewhere, getting ready, and I just, I'm off a little bit. So we, we travel a little later, so it was a longer week, and my routines were off, and so I got here, packed up my stuff, left, and, uh, and so we got here, and I realized when I got here, I, I left my, my dress shirt, and my white dress shirt, and I was like, great. So we have not like a Walmart in my town, we have the Walmart, because I'm in Northwest Arkansas, right, so store one is in town. But store one's nothing special. We have the flagship store, which is store 5260. So all the training videos, everything. Like now, we, they trial stuff at our store 5260 that they don't do anywhere else. So like now at 5260, there is not one person to check you out. It's all self-checkout now at 5260. So they always try things out. And so everything is at 5260. Anything you need is always in stock at 5260 except Lysol and whatever, Clorox wipes. But other than that, 5260 is always. So I said, I'll just run to Walmart, and I'll grab another white shirt. Well, there was nothing. I mean, it was like a couple 3X, and I'm like, great. And so I'm looking, I'm grabbing something, we come back. Then the tie I brought did not match. I'm back again this morning. I'm in a zipper tie, right? So I'll pass it down to my kid or something. Anyways, so we laugh. But anyways, we, we packed up one time to go preach somewhere, and we got laughing, and she was laughing and had a mouthful of coffee. And she just, she laughed and got all over my clothes. And so I'm changing. That was not today. That was a previous trip. So I, I'm glad that she gets to go with me. And so uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, Lucinda and I both have some health problems. And, uh, and so I, uh, I'm, technically that would be called remission, but I have leukemia. And uh, that's uh, in remission, remission right now. And then we had a, a terrible accident some 16 years ago. My wife and my boys did. And, uh, and from there, my oldest had his head crushed in, kind of caved back, mid flighted into a children's hospital. But Lucinda was injured. And about 10 years, oh, 15 years ago now, 10, 12, 14 years ago, she started having the seizures. So she has still has a lot of seizures, but they're not like per se epileptic. It's a long, long, long story. And, uh, and so sometimes she's not able to travel. So I'm thankful that she is here with me today. And I'm glad that you're here because it would be awful lonely without you. Open up your Bibles to the book of John. You're in chapter 3 and we're going to do a little bit of a parallel looking today in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Now I know normally what I do, I'm in Jonah right now on Sunday morning, so I would be starting chapter 4 if I were back home today. I'm in Hosea on Wednesday nights and we're going by verse by verse, line by line. 
But I want to do a little comparing and contrasting today as we uh, just think about uh, reaching people. We think about outreach. We think about soul winning. And I want to do just a little bit of a, a comparison that's there for us today. And so we saw in our previous reading, John chapter 3. But now let's jump over to John chapter 4. And let's pick up in verse number 7. Now you just hold there in John. And we're going to be between chapter 3 and chapter 4 this morning. And uh, we'll start off in verse number 7 now of John chapter 4. Uh, the Bible says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. And then saith uh, the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then uh, hast thou, uh, thou art, uh, then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drink uh, thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whatsoever drinketh of, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come uh, hither to draw. Let's pray. Father, this morning we do thank you for your word, and we pray you would bless it. And Lord, help us as you stir in us, Lord, a desire fresh and new, God, to reach a lost and a dying world for you. We'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We understand that we have a, a great commission, right? We always say it's not a great suggestion, it's a great commission. It is a mandate to give the gospel. We think of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It was referenced in our Sunday school this morning. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, always, even to the end of the world. We know that is our job as Christians uh, to share the gospel. And we look around and we know the signs of the time are here and the world's getting darker. And you can see the world preparing, you know, for a, uh, uh, the Lord's return. And you can see the world preparing for, we would say, a one world currency, a one world religion and a one world order. And now we can look and get overwhelmed with those things. But at the same time, as we know that's drawing closer, what an opportunity to live in a day. We have a, a man in our church. He's in heaven now. He used to say this, I don't want to go with the undertaker, I want to go with the upper taker, is what he'd always say. And he had to go with the undertaker, but, uh, but he would rejoice. So we live in these days, and what a time it is, to, and what zeal we can have in reaching a world and sharing the gospel with other people. So every Christian should learn to share the gospel with somebody else, no matter our age, no matter your stage of life or your stage of Christian growth, we should be committed to telling others how to be saved. One man said it this way, the only alternative to soul winning is disobedience to God. To share the good news of Jesus Christ is not a choice, but it's a command. One man, Bob Hughes, said it this way, who needs a call when you have a command? And sometimes we may think, well, we're an extrovert or I'm not a, I'm an introvert, not an extrovert. But friends, uh, you don't have to be an extrovert to be essential uh, to sharing the gospel with somebody else. 
Now, here in our, our text that we're going to see as we lay side by side in John 3 and John chapter 4, we have the master preacher, we have the master teacher, we have the master example in Jesus Christ. So as we we're look and see not only what he says, but we also want to see what he does. So the Bible obviously not only just says the words and what Jesus said to these people, but we see examples. We see the details that the Bible fills in for us as we look to Jesus Christ. And think about some of the things that were said about Jesus. And these were criticisms of him. In Luke chapter 7 verse 34, the Pharisees said, The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And ye say, Behold a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber and a friend of publicans and sinners. One of the criticisms of Jesus by the Pharisees is not that he was friendly to sinners, but that he was a friend of sinners. Now, the longer we are saved, I bet that you and I have less and less lost people in our world. Have you noticed that? And that's in a way a good thing, right? Hopefully because some of them got saved. And hopefully because, uh, you know, we have been purged from sin and now we're not running with the old crowd and now our new world is being saved. I remember a few years ago, uh, Christmas was on a Sunday and uh, not at your church, uh, but sometimes people kind of like, oh, Christmas is on Sunday and, and usually the attendance is down a little bit. You know, CEO Christians, Christmas and Easter only, there's some of those. And, and so we had a, a couple that's been saved for a couple of years. And she was there and she said to me, Pastor, I'm so excited that this, uh, the Christmas is on Sunday. And I said, well, good. Praise the Lord. She said, no. She said, our, no one in our family talks to us anymore. And she said, nobody in our world that we used to run with runs with us anymore. And she said, all of our family's here. And she said, I was really sad that we weren't going to be with family this Christmas. And then the Lord reminded me, you are with your family this Christmas. You see, there's a difference. And Jesus was a friend. We know as a church that as churches we're supposed to be friendly. But did you know that we're also supposed to be a friend of sinners? Not that we're to run with them and we're to be in the world and of the world, but not of the world. We're to be in the world and reaching people in the world and not that we're adapting and becoming like the world, but it's important that we were reaching the world that we're in. F.B. Meyer gave a list and then Butler added on to a little bit and, and we looked at some comparisons between chapter 3 and chapter 4. In chapter 3 you have Nicodemus. The Bible says in verse number 1, he was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Jesus also in verse Verse number 10 answers and says unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? Three titles for him that's there. And yet we have the woman of Samaria, the woman at the well in John chapter 4. There are some unique differences that we would see. We see from chapter 3 and verse 1 that he was a Jew. But also we find in chapter 4 and verse number 7 that she was a Gentile. The Bible gives his name as Nicodemus in John chapter 3 verse 1. But she's an unnamed woman in chapter 4. It's a man in chapter 3. It's a woman in chapter 4. He was a known man as a ruler. She was an unknown character. He was very moral and upright as a leader and a Pharisee. She was very immoral that was there. He sought Christ coming to him privately but if you will in chapter 4 Christ sought her out when he says verse 4, he must needs go through Samaria. You see one called him a teacher, Nicodemus. She called him a prophet in chapter 4. Nicodemus came by 
night and she was met Jesus by day. One was private as he came in chapter 3. The other one was at a public setting. One references Moses in chapter 3. The other one references Jacob in chapter 4. And one was very uh, private and, and careful, secretive in the days ahead. That would be Nicodemus. He starts to speak up a little bit before he's there with Joseph of Arimathea at the end asking for the body of Christ. But the woman at the well, immediately she goes public and tells the whole world what Christ has done for her. You see, in these two comparisons that are here with the master teacher, Jesus Christ, he goes to two different, entirely different people. He goes to one that's uh, spiritual and religious in background, and he goes to one who knows very little and is rough and carnal. Now, I haven't lived in the Springfield area since 1979 to 1983, or 78 to 82 is probably better. We lived here a little bit as a, when I was a child. And uh, so I haven't been around Springfield a whole lot, but I, I was here a little bit yesterday and I went into your Walmart and as I was in your Walmart, not like 5260, but as I went into your Walmart, you know what I found? I found the same group of people in chapter three and chapter four in your Walmart that's mentioned right here. I found people who have been in uh, Springfield forever and who have college background and they're very moral. I passed the many, 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 many churches you have all over sprinkled through this city and I found some also people even this morning as I went back in looking for my zipper tie I even found people who were ready for church and who looked moral and looked like they had character and had their act together at the same time I stood in line with people who you knew if we could I know we can't see the heart but looking on the outside I said they have no idea who Jesus Christ is you see things haven't really changed they haven't changed in chapter 3 and chapter 4, and they haven't changed in your town. These two group of people live side by side in your city and in your community, and Jesus met with both of them. Now, their situations were different, but yet Jesus met with them both. And you and I ought to understand that. We ought to learn how to talk with people that are educated about the Lord and people that are uneducated. Because of our health uh, backgrounds and some of the things that we have, it has opened a great door for, for Lucinda and I uh, with doctors. I have several doctors' personal cell phones, and I talk to them. And, I, and though they have never been to our church, they would probably call me their pastor, which that's, this means if they have a question, that's I'm the guy they call. I email them, I send devotionals, one passed away and I preached his funeral and it was packed out and I preached there and it was another doctor I had witnessed to as well. We've seen some of their, uh, the people that worked in their offices and nurses come to Christ. But the same token, we've had some people that just got off meth and their background and they haven't hardly got a fifth or sixth grade education and their lives are rough and they're living. I remember leading a guy to the Lord who lived in a tent on somebody else's property. But do you see, Jesus went to both of them. And he knew how to communicate to both of them. He went to the rich, he went to the poor. He went to the male, he went to the female. He went to the white, he went to the black, he would have gone to the Asian. He would have been to the American, he would have been to the foreign. He would have been, whether someone was walking or someone was flying. He would have also reached out to somebody who was straight and also somebody who was homosexual. We okay with that? You say, well, I don't know if I like that comment. Okay, I've led three homosexuals to the Lord. One of them, nobody has a clue, they're serving in our church today. Married. Are we okay? 
serving the Lord. No one has a clue. Not deep, not whatever, but there was some, there was some time frame. And the Lord changed their life. You know why? Because Jesus is a friend of sinners. And sometimes we, the longer we're saved, we get uncomfortable with certain things and reaching out to people. You know, one of the things that is uh, unique about Northwest Arkansas is because of Walmart, the world is coming to Northwest Arkansas. In our church, we have Koreans. In our church, we have uh, Filipinos. In our church, we have Marshallese. We have Mexico. We have uh, a Wel- We have Welsh. We had a man from England. He moved. A lady from Wales who's married to a guy who's half Cuban and half Pakistani. You say, how does that work? I have no idea, but it's so much fun to listen to them all talk and get together. And they adopted, they adopted some children, some redneck boys from northwest Arkansas. I love it. You see, Jesus was always on message. He was always reaching out, whether it's a Zacchaeus up on the tree, whether it was Mary who had been uh, filled with the devils that were there, the lady with the issue of blood, Jesus. Sometimes he would separate to pray, to teach and to train, but he was with the people where they were, and he was always reaching out to them. He was available, whether it's a centurion or the one with the issue of the blood, back-to-back stories. Jesus was there with them, and here he is in John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, and in both cases, he's taken two different scenarios, two different different people, two different situations, but the gospel is still the same. Look at some patterns that we would see between these two. We talked about the differences between the two. One's a rich man, one would not be. One was in the daytime, one was in the nighttime, one was moral, one was immoral, if you will. But look at the things that were similar. We looked at the differences, but things that were similar, they were both ignorant of Christ. You go back to chapter 3 and verse number 1. And the same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi. He's called him teacher, instructor. And, and that would be maybe a, a nice term, but he's not calling him Savior. We go to chapter number 4 and the woman that's there. And Jesus begins to speak to her. He tells us, you don't know who that is. He said, verse number 10, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him. He said, you don't know who you're talking to. And though one was educated and one wasn't, one was moral, one wasn't, one had a church background, the other one didn't. But guess what? Neither one of them really knew who Christ was. It was a consistent pattern. Not only was that, is they were both dealt with individually and privately. We know back in chapter 4, it was that sixth hour and Jesus sits down by the well. It's hot. It's personal. Here it is in the evening time, probably outside of the house. And Jesus sits with Nicodemus that's there. He spends time with them. Both of them argued with hows. For Nicodemus, it was how. Marvel not that I'm not saying to you that you must be born again. Because he said, I don't understand how I can be go again and be born again of my mother's womb. He didn't understand what Jesus was saying. The same thing in verse number 11. That woman says, how do you get that water? I don't understand the analogies. Both were told of their needs. Both were were personalized. Both were allowed to ask questions to Jesus about things they did not see and understand. Do you see, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be going where the sinners are. And some of them have questions already, and some of them don't even know they have questions. And we sit down where they are, and we begin to speak to them and love on them and talk to them about Christ. It ought not to be a strange thing to us anymore. Both were rebuked for not knowing something. Both were told of everlasting life. 
Both involved a must. Marvel not that you must be born again, right? Though they were uniquely different, the problems were the same. They were exactly the same, and they both needed the gospel. It's the same question. I remember one time, it was in the same month I had gone, and it was, this has been a, a while back, a decade or so ago, and uh, I had uh, played some basketball with uh, my sons and some uh, other couple of men in our church, and so we would play basketball. We'd play with some other guys in the gym, and after we were done, we'd sit around, and we'd bring enough water for other people, and while we were sitting there, we'd just start talking and making connections and we would tag team a little bit and uh, we started talking a little bit and I said to my friend on the other side of a young man in the middle he was probably 19 or 20 and I just said to him I said now now Mike I said uh uh hey you want to maybe get dinner after church Sunday I'm talking around the guy in the middle he knows what I'm doing and he said yeah I think that sounds good and then he says to the guy between us hey you want to go to dinner with us Sunday after church and the guy goes well, I don't go to church he goes well go to church with us go to dinner what do you want to eat at and he says to me, hey, Swinner, you need to buy me a steak on Sunday. I said, how about I buy you a hamburger? How about that instead? We're talking back and forth, the guys in the middle. And we begin to kind of close him in on conversation a little bit. And I, and my, I said to him, I said, do you ever go to church? And boy, he went off somewhere. I believe in a higher critical thinking. I believe in a this and this. And he just went for a while. And I let him talk a little bit. I was thinking about how what I would say back. And my friend on the other side goes, you don't believe all that garbage. Boy, he looked and got mad, and yes, I do. And my friend said this to him. He said, you used to go to church, didn't you? He goes, and you got mad at God for what? Boy, his face began to change. A tear came down his eye. He says, I don't understand if there's really a God, and he really cares, and he really loves, and then he gave his heart. My friend began to answer that root cause. Well, it was just a few weeks later, and we went to a, a new doctor. Our doctor re- sent us to another doctor, and so as we got there, uh, that doctor who I, I ended up preaching the funeral for recommends us to another doctor, and he must have told them, obviously, that I was a preacher. So we get in there. We're going to meet the new doctor. The nurse comes in. We've got the charts. We've got the info. He comes in, and the first thing he says to me, he goes, Well, 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 I hear you're a preacher. It's either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. I said, I, I am, I am. And he says, Well, preacher. This is my church right here, and this is my whatever. And he just starts talking for a little bit. And Lucinda just starts pinching me, like, like, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't, don't get started. And I said to him, and I remember the Lord brought back what my friend said to that young man right there. And I said, you don't believe all that garbage you just said. He looked at me, first meeting. Nice to meet you, Doc. Hope you can help us. And his nurse looked back over at me. I said, you used to go to church when you were a kid. I said, and you got mad at God about what? And boy, he turned, he said, you tell you what, yeah, I did used to go to church. And he said, but I'll tell you what, if this and this and this, and I don't agree with the Bible and this and this and this. I said, so really you're just mad at God because you don't understand something or you don't like something that he said, right? Is that pretty much the point? It's the nurse is trying to, okay, dog, let's look over here. But do, do you see one young man playing basketball, one educated, the same root problem. So I decided I was going to become a friend of that doctor. I loved on him. I prayed. I let him talk bad about stuff. And I would try to answer. I'd let him vent. And then I remember one day sitting in his office and he started crying. He told me about trying to take his own life. I said to him, sir, can I tell you why you're so miserable for? I said, you see the health problems that we have. You see the stuff we go through. I said, but don't you see that there's a difference in us? He nodded his head. I said, it's because we have joy that can only come from Christ in us. And you don't have it. 
you see, there's a difference. Whether it's the wholesome couple or it's the drug addicts living together, it's Jesus that makes a difference. Can I ask you this? We see that Jesus is a friend of sinners. We see Jesus sitting through. We see him here with the woman at the well, one-on-one and personal. We see him with Nicodemus, one-on-one and personal. When's the last time you sat down and you were just a friend, one-on-one and personal with somebody that did not know Jesus Christ? You see, we have to do this on purpose. And they're everywhere. They're in the lines. It's the lady that I go by and, and get my laundry that's there. And we come by and she sees my Bible back there and she sees a book on prayer, Ian Bounds' book on prayer. And she says, oh, that's a book on prayer. And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, you pray? I try. And there's a car coming behind me in the drive through I said, give me something I can pray for you about right now. She said, would you pray for this? My husband's left me and she gave me a list. I wrote it down. I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. Well, you better make sure we had some dirty laundry to drop back off. I went back and I said, so-and-so, I said, I want you to know I've prayed every day for this, this, and this. And I prayed, by the way, that there would be no other cars in line. I had to circle around three times. <laughs> and she started crying. She said, thank you. I said, I want you to know that God cares about you and God loves you. And I began to witness to her little by little. I know she was working. I had to be careful. Didn't have the address. Wasn't one of those where she'd been to church. But you see, what are we doing? We're building it. I told my mom and dad about her. Mom and dad said, we're moving our laundry over there to do our cleaners. Now mom and dad come through. She says, I see that last name, that weird last name. Yeah, Quinar, yeah. And that's my son, yeah. Well, mom starts talking. You know what they're doing? They're doing the same thing. They're making a friend so we can tell her about Jesus. She hasn't come yet. But guess what? She will. Do you see there's a difference that's there? All through it. We find the presenting with Jesus. He was so personal that he took something that was there and he began to talk about that new birth. How beautiful John chapter 3 is. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 7, marvel not that I say to you that you must be born again. And Jesus exposes through questions he asks, listen now, he asks questions. You know what sometimes when we think when we're witnessing to somebody that we do all the talking and they do all the listening, but when you find Jesus talking with people and becoming a friend of sinners, he asks them probing questions that reveal issues of the heart. He did the same thing with the woman at the well. He lets them speak. He says to him, how art thou a master of Israel, verse 10, and knowest not these things? We continue to find that. People living together, people in our homes, people interacting. Why? Because they, they need Jesus Christ. And you see, there's a difference because, you know, I find in our church, and, not the, and we just praise God for this, in the, in the last 10 weeks, we've had over 80 first-time visitors. Over 80 first-time visitors. Is that, how does that happen? We try to work on being a friend of sinners. Last week, my, uh, my, my, I have two, our two sons, uh, they're 20 and uh, 21. And uh, they're both in school and, and, and working. And, and, uh, and they begin to say to us, I'd led another young man to the Lord. And, and my sons try to influence him a little bit. He's kind of in and out of church a little bit. And, 
And uh, they said, Dad, he knows several other guys, and we're, we've been going out to eat with them. We're trying to contact them. I said, okay. And they said the other night, we're going swimming with these guys. Now, they're, they're, they're together. I said, okay, guys, be careful. Like, Don't worry, Dad. we got a game plan. They came home that, that night on a Saturday evening. They said, Dad, we got five of them that are supposed to be there tomorrow. So I watched Sunday morning. It was our second service. We have two morning services, and, uh, and they're there, and I watched my older one pacing, looking out the window. Don't you love it when someone's pacing, looking out that door? That means they got somebody coming. And all of a sudden, I watched these five boys, young men, young adult men, walk in. And my son looks at me, and he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what? We preached the gospel to them. They were in church. We're talking about Jonah. We're talking about Nineveh repenting at that message that was there. And they all said, and they heard the gospel. You said, they get saved that week? No, not yet. Then my boys begin to follow up afterwards. We begin to follow up. Do you see the difference? Jesus is a friend of sinners. You see, we're all familiar with church programs of outreach. I'm for it door to door. I'm for bus ministry. I'm for nursing homes. I'm for canvassing. We try to do that. But have you ever thought about the fact, especially in the 21st century, then this so-called post-Christian society we live in, the importance of hospitality and reaching people? Think about this. We like this verse, Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Love, brotherly love, continue. Be forgetful not to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. We all get caught up with, ooh, I wonder if I've entertained an angel unaware. But you know what we miss? Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. When's the last time you've entertained a stranger? When's the last time a, a lost person has sat at your table? When's the last time you took a lost person out to eat? When's the last time you bought a lost person coffee? Think about it. You say, well, 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 what? My dad is 73, and my dad is a dad to many young men who didn't have a dad at all growing up. My dad goes and gets coffee. They come and visit my dad. My dad sits, and I'll say, I'll share my dad with you. And they ask my dad questions like, well, how do you, how do you like, get your kids to obey? He goes, you beat the... De-. No, he doesn't want to say. <laughs> they were like, well, how do, how do you... Like, if we give him a whipping, how do you, how do, you do that? Think about that. Like, how do you get your finances in order? How, how, do, how, do, how did you and Mrs. Swinner get married for 50-something years? 65. That's pretty awesome. Do you see that? And it's mentoring. It's sitting across the table and loving on people and talking to them about the grace of God and how God worked in your life and what God taught you. It's a different world anymore. You see, for many of you that are up in age, when you got saved, you already had a lot of character. You already had integrity. And you got saved, and now you were saved people who already had a lot of character and integrity. There's not a lot of character and integrity anymore. And now you get lo- they get they're lost and they get saved, but they're saved and guess what? They still don't know anything and they still don't have work ethic and character and it takes time. I can't tell you how many 20-year-olds that we have to talk to that are married men about, you probably ought to cut back on your video game plan. You say, well, that's shocking. I know, but it's just where they are. Now say, you know, it's hard for me as a husband and a dad to spend time with my family and work. And like, I know, preacher, it's just my relaxing thing. I said, well, how, how can we relax then? Do you think God gave us a way to relax? Do you think maybe you could do something with your kids? Go play with them in the yard? It's just where people are today. 
The Bible says, and I know these texts are dealing in context with, with those who are pastors or so forth, but 1 Timothy 3, 2, we're to be given to hospitality, Titus 1a, be lovers of hospitality. You know, it's amazing what people can do. We on purpose work to put our hooks. So we've been blessed. We've had these visitors that have come in the door, and we have game, we have game plans for attacking our visitors. I'll give you an example. One is Jason and Nikki. Jason and Nikki came and, and uh, uh, one of our other couples, uh, we were taking some prayer requests. She said, you pray for me. She said, I have a friend uh, from high school when I was lost and I ran around with her named Nikki. God's put Nikki on my heart and uh, I'm going to go try to you know invite her to church and maybe witness to her. So pray. So we prayed for Nikki and so she got enough courage, went over to Nikki's house and now her and Nikki are, or Nikki's there, her and Jason. And they've got three boys or two boys and one on the way. They're they're living together, not married. And and so uh, she begins to talk and, and, and she sees on Nikki's refrigerator a track from our church. She said, where'd you get that from? She said, I don't know. Somebody just stuck it in our door. She said, we've been thinking about going. And she goes, well, that's where I go. Oh, well, why don't you come with me? Okay. They came first week. Second week was Mother's Day. And guess what? They got saved on Mother's Day. Isn't that good? So they got saved on Mother's Day, and, and uh, we went back, and I went to follow up with them about baptism. I knew they were living together. I said, there's some things, and I talked about identifying with Christ and water. I said, you know, baptism, of course, doesn't save us. You know that. But, it, but we identify with Christ, death and burial and resurrection. I said, just like this ring doesn't make me married, but it identifies me that I belong to someone, and she belongs to me. And they go, well, you know, we're not married. I said, well, you know, there's two things God wants you to do. Our church gathered around. I married them. They're baptized and they're Sunday school teachers in church. Their middle son is called to be a missionary. Always loved on them. That second week before the first and second week that they came, he came and Jason's a tall guy out of Houston. And uh, I said to our man, I said, hey, we're going to play basketball next week. Let's all get Jason in. He's lost. Everybody pray for Jason this week. Let's all. So we're talking, hey, Jason, we're going to play ball this week. You going to play? Man, yeah, Jason, you know, Jason comes to play ball. We all know it. Here's seven or eight of us from church. We know he's lost. We're all putting our hooks in the water. We're all praying. We're all working. We're all talking. That next week, Jason got saved. He's already got seven or eight friends. Come on. One time we had somebody that got out of prison. We'd been working in a prison ministry. And uh, they were in for, you know, 10, two weeks or something like that. They got out on a Sunday morning early. They were in church Sunday morning. They were at our house for dinner Sunday afternoon. Is that okay? By the way, they're still coming. You see, I think sometimes we have to go back and we have to look at Jesus and here he is with the educated. Here he is with the uneducated. Here he is with the outside moral person. Here he is with the immoral person. Here he is with somebody who has religion. Here he is with somebody who's got nothing. But both of them needed Jesus Christ. And he met them both where they were. He sat with them. He talked with them. He loved on them. He challenged them. He talked to them. And we know ultimately both received him. Parks and playdates. We'll have a young couple come. Sometimes we'll have a big outreach day that's there. Here comes this young couple and three or four of my other moms with their little babies. They'll come back around and go, hey, we're going to go to the park this week and have a play date at the park. You want to come with us? Sure. And now they're at the park together. Here's three or four of save ladies with their kids. And they all know it's a lost lady. And their goal is all to befriend her. Why? So they can share Christ with her. It's more than just knocking on the door and going, Hi, I'm Noel Swinner from Gospel Life Baptist Church. How are you? Well, we're out in the area knocking doors, inviting folks to church today. Do you have a church home? And you know, if you died today, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? 
It's more than that. I'm not against that. Praise God for that. It's more than that. It's meeting people where they are. It's engaging them at the restaurants. It's talking to people where they work at. It's going back when you go do business somewhere to that same person over and over and over again on purpose so you can begin to connect with them and have a relationship with them even while they're at work. So when you slide them a track or you talk or you invite them, they feel like they know somebody and say, come sit with me at church. Barbecue. I have a neighbor, Hispanic neighbor. I love them. And uh, and when they have uh, parties... Man, it's like all of our houses are about 1,500 square feet, you know, our subdivision. And they will have like 500 people in that 1,500 square foot house. And, and so, man, they put on big spreads and food. And, and all the neighbors that are there, I'm invited, I'm invited to the parties. So we'll show up my family and we, you know what I mean? We, we, we stand out. We're the only ones who don't speak Spanish as well. My neighbor is pretty good. He's back and forth. And, and, and the, I remember the first time I came over, everybody was having a good time. I walked up and it went dead silent. So my neighbor's son says something to them in Spanish that, hey, you know, and then everybody's okay with this. And now we eat. I'm eating food. We're having a good time. I'm at birthday parties with them. And, and you know what? I remember the other day when I stood with Octavio in the front yard and he told me that his mom died and he cried and I hugged his neck and I prayed with him and I said, you know what, Octavio, you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. And I began to give the gospel with him. He drives a truck somewhere. He said, I want you to go with me in my truck and let's, I want you to drive into Mexico with me when I pick this and this up. And, and I thought, I'll have to think about it. I don't know what they gone that long. And, but you know what? Listen now, there's relationship. Who are you having a relationship with to reach them for Jesus Christ? You say it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's a little dirty and sticky and messy sometimes. Yes, absolutely. And it's so rewarding. Who are they? Nikki, when Nikki's dad got saved, it was great. Nikki and Jason brought people to church. Nikki and Jason probably themselves brought 75, 80 people to church after they first got saved because they knew a lot of lost people. They'd bring them up and man, she got saved and she'd sit on the second row and she'd have them up there and I'd walk up and I'd go, hi, I'm so-and-so. And she'd look at me and she'd go, they're lost, they're lost, they're lost. Okay, gotcha, Nikki. They're lost. And I remember her dad came one day and her dad looked rough. Just stare, mean. Man, I preached and I got through the end and I said, if you're here and you don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven, heads are bowed and, and he didn't bow his head, he just stared at me. And it became a one-on-one conversation. I said, you know, the Lord loves you, doesn't he? Not his head. I said, you know, if you die, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? He shook his head, no. I said, if you die, do you want to go to hell? He shook his head, yes. I said, wouldn't it be good to know that? He shook his head, yes. I said, you want to do that today? He shook his head, no. Nikki's peeking. She cries out, oh, daddy. Man, people start hitting the altar. They're praying. It was intense. Doug and Warren, he got up, hit the back door. Man, I'm overwhelmed. I'm shaking hands that day trying to talk to people. And Nikki just interrupts them all. What are you going to do about my dad? I said, Nikki, I'll, I'll go see him. We'll pray. She's like, no, you're going to go see him today. She's insisted. I'm like, you know, you don't talk to the preacher that way. You know what I mean? She's like, no, you're going today. I told her, son, I guess I'm going today. I knocked on his door and he opened the door and he goes, how did you find my house? I said, look, I know God's done with you. He said, come in. I wanted to tell her where I was in case they had to find my body somewhere, you know, and they know to look at. We went back and forth, and he wouldn't get saved. He said, you just don't know what I've done. I said, but you don't know what he's done. What he did is greater than what you did. What he did on the cross is greater than what you've done. 
I left and I gave my number. I said, you call me day or night. I got a mile down the road. He called me and came back. He got saved. His wife got saved. His grandson got saved. His other daughter got saved. Do you see? Jesus is a friend of sinners. And he sits with the educated. He sits with the uneducated. He sits with the, the morally upstanding and with the morally bankrupt. And he's with them together. And both of these, immediately we see a response in John 4 because she's bringing people. Come see a man who's told me all that I have. And we understand Jesus stayed there and what happened. And John 3, you see Nicodemus, it's almost like a little bit of a growth going on in his life. But you see both of these people and the impact of the change that's there. Two different walks of life, but there's a common denominator. And it was Jesus Christ. Our churches should be filled with people at all stages of the walk. People that just got saved. People that 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 been saved for a year. People have been saved for five years, ten years. People of different parts growing. But it's up to you and I. To be friendly is not enough. But to be a friend. To engage. This week, you're going to cross paths. This afternoon, if you go out to eat, or whatever, if you go home, whatever you do. When you go to work this week, they're all around you. My son would go to work and he'd set me up and once a week he and I would meet for lunch. I'd go over where he worked at and we'd have lunch. And he'd invite different coworkers. How about your lunch today? Which means dad's buying the lunch today. We'd sit down and he'd say, hey dad, this is one of my coworkers. I'd say, hey man, how you doing? All good. We'd start talking a little bit. I know what's happening. We're setting him up. He says, this is my friend, dad. It was nice to meet you. Thanks for being my son's friend. We're just talking. One of our men, that man who's half Cuban, half Pakistani, he was across the street from the Twin Towers when they went down. He's from Manhattan. He was lost. He grew up in more of a loosely practicing Muslim home. We still pray for his, his mom and step, his dad and stepmom to get saved. He got saved and he started growing a little bit and lives in a nice neighborhood. And uh, he invites me over one day and he hadn't been saved long. He invites us over for, for lunch. So I'm there and I sit down and he says to me, this is so-and-so is my neighbor over here. This is so-and-so is my neighbor over here. And he's been befriending these neighbors. I said, well, good. Nice to meet y'all. And I'm, I'm, I'm eating my barbecue. And Danny begins to tell a story. He says, did you guys know that I was across the street from the Twin Towers and they went down? I've heard the story. I'm just eating my barbecue. And they said, no. And he starts talking about it. And he said, I always went on the subway up through Tower Number 1. And that day, the Starbucks, I always got Starbucks every morning. That day, the line was long. So I thought, ah, I'll get it later. And I went across the street into my building, Manhattan Chase, and I went up. He said, within five minutes of me leaving that line, the first plane hit. And he starts going through that day, and they're all sitting captivated. As he talks about the power going out in the building and it being dark and the smoke, and he didn't know what was going on. And he starts talking about it. He says, you know, I didn't really like believe a lot in God, but I kept crying out, oh, God, oh, God, help me. And he's talking about, he's telling the details. He's talking about people dying and bodies falling and people screaming. And he starts talking about all this. And then he pulls it together. And he's a brand new Christian. He says, and I tell people all that day, all the time, that God saved me on that day so that he could save me another day. And he goes, Pastor, and I'm eating barbecue. <laughs> Here's what Danny means by that. And I sat at the table with all these people that were his neighbors. And I gave him the gospel. He didn't know how to go through it all, but he knew enough to get him there. He was a friend of sinners. So who's your friends?
Some of you, people need you to be their dads and their moms. To help them. I got a neighbor that's new across the street. He does not care for me. He won't hardly talk to me. I'm going to win him over. I helped him the other day lift to some things in the back of his truck. Barely got a grunt of a thank you. His wife a little more responsive. I'm going to get him. We used to live out in the country and we took our trash down to another place versus they picking it up. And Trash lady is what we refer to her. I don't even remember her name. Trash lady. Trash lady was mean. Trash lady would whoop any man in this room. <laughs> I told Lucinda, I said, I'm going to win trash lady over. I'd bring her stuff. Lucinda makes some cookies. I'd bring trash lady cookies. She'd stare at me. She'd cuss people. Boy, she's mean. She's, she's, at least wouldn't cuss me. Put your stuff over there. Put over here. I'd bring her stuff. All of a sudden, she started getting a little softer and a little softer. And whatever her name was, trash lady. Trash lady. I said, I sure do like you. Well, you're not too bad either. I said, you know what, trash lady would make me so happy? I said, you know, uh, Mother's Day has come up in our church and I said, my mama's there. And I said, but Lucinda's mama's not there. I said, would you come sit in her place of her mama? Wow. Do you see? They're everywhere. So who's your friend? It's more, I'm not, I'm not minimizing this. It's more than just knocking on the door. Life on life relationships earning a hearing so we can tell them I was once blind but now I can see we were once in a mess I'll tell you this and I'm done I've gone a little long I apologize my wife and I are completely different I was raised in a Christian home great parents uh, trained us to do right I'm very thankful my wife made a profession of faith at a at a church camp when she was eight, Missionary Baptist Church Camp. She's the youngest of seven. My mother-in-law was 40, 41 when she had Lucinda. So her mom and dad was a little bit grandma, grandpa, a little bit mom and dad kind of growing up. And they got a church, and, and, and her mom and dad were saved, but never really grounded, and they got a church. And Lucinda got off in the world. They know any better as her home was drinking and drugs and all the other things that were there, and that's the world she grew up in. And I never thought, to be honest with you, I'd marry somebody with such a scandalous background. <laughs> but God used Lucinda to teach me more about loving people than I would have ever imagined. I sat with two single moms. They came to service, and afterwards, I knew God was done with them, and we're sitting talking after services. And I'm trying to share the gospel, and it's not getting there. So, Lucinda, just tell them your story. And she began to tell them about where she was in life and what God has done in changing her life. It made her clean. They began to cry, and both those single moms bowed their heads, trusted Christ as their Savior. The single mom said this, We don't want to marry our children's fathers. They're not good guys, but we want our children's fathers to get saved. They brought the men both to church and the men both got saved. Why? Jesus is a friend of sinners. 
But are you a friend of sinners? Every head bowed, every eye closed. So our pastor make his way up today. And this is a simple thought and challenge to you. Who is the one you're going after? Who is the one you're trying to reach? Who is it that needs you to impact them for Jesus Christ? You live by them. You work with them. They are your neighbors. They are your friends. Come on now. They need you to be their friend. They need you to be their mom and dad. You say, that's a little uncomfortable. I know it is. But look, look it's, it's so rewarding. It's so wonderful. We have people in our church, more than one, that got saved in prison. And when they got out, people loved on them. We have some that were business people in northwest Arkansas and affluent. And we've got some that were meth cooks. And they all sit together because all the ground's level at the foot of the cross. And they all needed somebody to tell them about Jesus and love on them and be their friend. So the pianist begins to play. God spoke to your heart. As pastor comes, you do business with God.